Movie Date is supported by the Movie Music Stream at yourclassical.org. Soundtracks for every moment of the day and features that complement your listening experience. Movies at yourclassical.org. Kristen, we're going to be talking about a new Disney film this week, Tomorrowland, starring George Clooney. And there's an important question that's central to the film, and I'm going to ask it of you. Here it is. If someone could predict the exact time and date of your death, would you want to know? And my response is, do, do you know, Rafer? <laughs> <laughs> Are you about to tell me right now? That's what the girl, and that's that's the what last, the girl and in the film says. And, and that's the last thing I'm going to hear. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to hear is your answer right now. Because I'm a murderer? <laughs> no, no. Just, you know, it's sometime in the future. Would you want to know? Nah, I don't no. need to know that. Do you need to know that? No, I wouldn't want to know. Yeah, I don't need to know it. Right? Yeah. When I go, uh, when I when I was training for a marathon, this was many years ago, um, my wife, who trained with me, always wanted to know exactly at what point in the run we were at. She wanted to know, were we at mile five, were we at mile eight, where were we, and how long do we have to go? And I would always tell her, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. I never wanted to know how much longer I had. I always Ooh. wanted to just go, 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 go. Until the end arrived. Wow. That's just, that's just. But kind a marathon of, is torturous and hopefully life isn't quite as torturous as a marathon. Hopefully. I hope, I hope that's, I hope that's true. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking of messages of positivity, we're going to review Tomorrowland, the Disney film. We're also going to review Sunshine Superman, a new documentary about uh, the guy who essentially invented base jumping. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about. Good Kill, a new film that reteams uh, the Gattaca guys. Andrew Nichol, the director, Love that writer. Gattaca. Oh, I do too. And uh, and his star, Ethan Hawke. That movie's about soldiers who are fighting the war on terror virtually from a remote location. All that coming up, plus sweatpants and mystery date. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Mines, our culture producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. It's a test, and I know this better than you. You know this cause, you know what I've been through, it's true, all of it, all except the lies. I'm right here, where will you be when it dies? Rafer, let's start off things talking about base jumping and the new movie Sunshine Superman. Now, do you know about this um, unfortunate accident that took place in Yosemite National Park in over Yosemite, the weekend? Two people died? Yes, two base jumpers died, and um, it's just coincidence that this new movie Sunshine Superman is coming out the same week of this accident because Yosemite is also where, back in the 1970s, Carl Banish is credited with creating base jumping as a sport. He and this renegade team of extreme athletes used to jump out of planes. They did a lot of uh, really pushing things to the limit sort of jumping activities and they would film them all. And he saw himself as a filmmaker first and as an athlete second. And so there's tons of film footage of them with, you know, 15-pound cameras attached to their heads while they're <laughs> doing all of this stuff, which is amazing. And their story, as well as the story of how he eventually died doing what he loved. The movie is called Sunshine Superman. Here's a clip. We had agreed that it was suicidal. Just had this feeling of doom. Nobody could survive that jump. Carl thought that he could get away with it, but the mountain had other ideas. Kristen, tell me again what BASE stands for. Isn't it an acronym? It's always capitalized. Well, I only know it's an acronym because you told me this. And I... <laughs> 
<laughs> it stands for building antenna span or earth, which could be a cliff. It could be some sort of high hill right. of some sort. And so anything, really. anything you yeah. could. It's called fixed object jumping or base jumping. So uh, span like bridge. Yes, yeah, I so, got it. Yes. So instead of jumping from planes, which Carl Banish did for years and years, and uh, he filmed that, and his footage was used in different films, he started base jumping. He thought, wouldn't it be amazing not to jump out of a plane, but to jump from a fixed object? So, Interesting. Uh, so he and his team started jumping from Yosemite and from other places, El Capitan and so on. Oh, yeah. And then um, eventually he and his team were on a show called That's Incredible, which uh, I don't know if you remember that. How could I not remember that, That's Incredible? That, of course. It showed back-to-back with real people back in the incredible day. Incredible base jumper. <laughs> I used to love that show I as did a little too. kid. I thought it was fantastic. So he was on that show with his wife and with his team. And then afterward, the next day, he decided to ascend another um, peak nearby by himself, essentially, with just, I think, one other person with him. And he jumped and he died. Oh, wow. And so the film is really fascinating. It shows what kind of personality he was that he wanted to do all this and how he came up with different filming techniques. And I think it's really just beautifully filmed because you're seeing all this vintage film footage plus some new innovative reenactments that kind of are reminiscent of Man on Wire. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And I was really surprised by it. I did not expect to enjoy this movie because I'm not into extreme sports. I normally see people who do extreme sports as kind of... Um, adrenaline addicts who are kind of douchebags right. who don't really care about other people who love them, that they're constantly putting their lives on the line. But the film did a more interesting, nuanced job of showing what kind of person he was. And I thought it was really exhilarating at points and just fascinating to see what kind of human he was. So you'd recommend Sunshine Superman? Yes, I would say Sunshine Superman was actually a really good date. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. All right, well, I'm going to tell you about Good Kill. Ooh, is there such a thing as a good kill? Well, we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the question uh, that this movie asks. Uh, this is written and directed by Andrew Nichol, who did Gattaca, and uh, his star, Ethan Hawke, is back. Very different film. Ethan Hawke plays Tommy Egan. He's an Air Force pilot who has now joined the Chair Force. He's sitting in a <laughs> Las Vegas trailer uh, with a joystick in his hand and an LCD screen in front of him, uh, killing uh, terrorists and uh, maybe people who aren't terrorists out in the Middle East uh, by remote. He's a drone strike pilot. And the film basically is asking whether or not this form of sort of virtual war, I suppose you could say, um, also causes trauma in the people that fight it. And it also asks some questions about the morality of doing this and the kind of queasy uh, feeling that uh, Ethan Hawke's character gets when he uh, kills these people uh, from afar. Here's a clip. Nothing explodes quite like explosives. One IED factory going out of business. As soon as he comes back from taking the last piss of his life, we smoke him. We are cleared hot. Light him up. Warheads on foreheads. Damn it. Damn it, I lost the link. Premise seems somewhat fascinating, but um, at the same time, are we just sitting there watching him in front of a video screen playing a game? <laughs> it's a very good question. This is a very, much more limited scope film than, uh, than uh, Andrew Nichol is used to directing. I mean, he's more of a sci-fi guy and mm-hmm. uh, working with these large budgets, and you can tell this is a very small budget film. Um, it really does take place mostly inside that trailer and occasionally back at his house. Uh, his wife is played by January Jones um, oh, and Mad Men. from Mad Men. And he also has a fellow soldier uh, played by Zoe Kravitz. And um, 
So, you know, mostly what you're getting is uh, him grappling with these questions of, you know, what am I doing? Is this right? Uh, Does this make me a brave person? Um, At one point he says, and I think it's a very good quote, he says, we've got no skin in the game. I I feel like a coward, Um, you know, because he's not at risk in any way. He's just killing people and he doesn't have to face them or come come in contact with them at all. They just turn into a black smudge on his screen and then someone will tap him on the back and say, good kill. And that's it. And it's over. And I think it's pretty interesting because I think you've got a essentially kind of the virtual counterpart to American Sniper. He's going through all the same things. He's feeling the same kind of trauma from the violence, even though it's all just uh, images on a screen. I think that's interesting. Uh, The film gets into some questions about um, what the CIA's drone strike program has been doing over there, the the um, the attacks on rescuers. Uh, the attacks on funerals, things like that. Um, That's all addressed. My one problem with this movie is that there's not really any kind of a story that you Mm. could really hang it all on. So mostly what you have is a series of scenarios that are forcing people to ask questions. Occasionally the other characters turn into mouthpieces for various views, pro or con, and I think the the speechifying gets a little Mm. tiresome. But... I think it's interesting. It's an interesting subject. It's out there in the culture. There's actually an extremely similar play running right now in New York with uh, Anne Hathaway in essentially the same role in Las Vegas as a, oh as, a, as, a as a drone pilot um, that closes this week, I think. And so now here comes Good Kill in theaters. I think it's worth seeing to kind of wrestle with the topic. I can't quite recommend Good Kill as a great movie date. It's mm-hmm. kind of as a, as a movie, as it's like entertainment. It's a broccoli movie. Nah, it's, better than a, it's better than a broccoli <laughs> movie because it's compelling. It's interesting. It's not a bummer. Um, it just, it doesn't really hold up as a, as a film with a story. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's my, that's my main problem. But so I think Good, Good Kill, Kill is interesting. Good Kill is an interesting date. An interesting date. <laughs> Tell us about Tomorrowland, Rafer. Well, this is uh, hmm. How do we how do we how do we squeeze this <laughs> this two hour plus Disney adventure into a, a short synopsis? Um, you have a couple characters. One is a, a young boy genius who, in the sixties, in nineteen sixty four, actually at the New York World's Fair in Queens, uh, arrives with his jetpack. He's going to enter it in a competition. It doesn't quite work, but a little girl named Athena, played by Raffi Cassidy, invites him in anyway. Uh, offers him a way to get into the secret portal that will take you to Tomorrowland, a place where the future actually exists. Uh, Flash forward years later, he's been exiled. Now he's George Clooney. He's bitter. He's a recluse. But he meets another young girl, a young teenager played by Britt Robertson. Uh, She plays Casey. She's an optimist. She, too, has glimpsed Tomorrowland, and she thinks that she and George Clooney are meant to travel back there and... See what's going on, and maybe Tomorrowland will hold the key to Earth's future. Here's a clip. What if there was a place where nothing was impossible? Where you could build whatever you're crazy enough to imagine. A place where you could actually change the world. You want to go? You did a really good job of describing that, Rafer, because there's a lot going on in this movie. I'm even leaving, I'm leaving quite a bit out even there. Yeah, there's um, also this romance that's happening between our little boy and Athena. And Athena. Um, 
There is uh, our modern day girl's uh, issue with her dad who's losing his job. Played by there, Tim McGraw. <laughs> yes. There's, there's a lot of other stuff going yes. on in this movie. And Lots let's not forget uh, Hugh Laurie plays Governor Nix, who is the From Tomorrowland. Of, from Tomorrowland. He's kind of the evil ruler of, uh, of Tomorrowland. Yes. And of course, all of this ties in with different Disney branding sorts of things. The yes, way you get to Tomorrowland in the first instance is by writing It's a Small World. Yes, you, you go on the It's a Small World, which which can, which, which disoriented me, me. Because it's like, aren't you at the New York World's Fair, 1964? I do want to say this film knows its Disney history. Disney actually did recreate It's a Small World for <gasps> the New York World's Fair oh. in 64. I had to look that up because I was confused as well. Um, Interesting. But that is, that Interesting. is real. Lots of Disney, lots of Disney nods. You'll, you'll see a little, a little uh, nod to the black hole. Mm-hmm. You'll see all kinds of little things in here. Um, as Disney history, in that way, it's kind of fun. One thing I liked about the movie is the way that it asks you to kind of go back to that post-war American optimism that Disney kind of helped create. Yeah, the future isn't what it used to be is one of the lines in the movie. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, and in some ways, the future is what it used to be or should should be what it used to be when we were all optimistic and had hope and everything looked great. Um, it's it was like, like the Jetsons almost. Exactly. Everything was space age uh, architecture. And um, it's kind of asking us to take that old 50s optimism and bring it back, bring it into today and tackle the world's problems, mainly global warming, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, uh, uh, income inequality and, and pollution and, and rampant capitalism and, you know, social unrest. Um, and I kind of like that idea. I like that idea of looking backwards to look forward. That that appealed to me. And it's nice to see a movie that has such a full-throated message of hope and optimism and we can fix it, you know? I didn't feel like the message was we can fix it so much as we just need to be more optimistic. We can't just look at the ice caps melting. We can't just look at oil spills. We can't just look at... And I thought, you didn't come up with a way to fix it. You just told us to not concentrate on the bad stuff. Well, (laughs) like like Dinesh D'Souza. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Stop complaining about slavery. It's over. Um, yes. No, no, I disagree. I mean, what she's saying is what, what, what Britt Robertson's character is saying is let's all let's all put our minds to it and figure it out. And, you know, she there's a, what you're talking about, Kristen, is this montage of her sitting through high school with all her teachers saying global warming is coming. Dystopias are coming. There's nothing you can do about it. And she's saying, yes, there is. We can fix it. I like that. I think that I think that 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 resonated with me. I almost felt in some ways that this is the movie that Interstellar wanted to be, right? This whole idea, let's look to the stars. Let's go back. Let's start dreaming again. I could not believe you just said this is the movie that Interstellar wanted it, to be. Tomorrowland? It is. That, 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 remember, I mean, remember the trailers for Interstellar? They were all about, you know, we used, we used to be dreamers. We used to look to the stars. Now we just look down in the dirt. And, <laughs> and this is saying, no, let's, let's look to the damn stars again in a, in a, in a real way. Let's, let's go out there to this crazy Tomorrowland and and do it now. Yeah. <laughs> there were there were moments of hope in there. there Don't were. get me wrong. I, I I'm not saying there was no hope in this movie. I'm just saying that a lot of the hope seemed to come in the form of let's stop focusing on bad stuff. All right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. All that said. I don't actually think Tomorrowland was a very good movie. It was a cluster fudge. It was just a mess. It was a well hot, <laughs> hot mess. There were so many things happening. Plus, there. can I just go back to this subplot of young Frank and his uh, crush he has on Athena? He's yeah. actually in love with her. Yes. We see Frank grow up into George Clooney, 
who's still in love. Still kind of has a crush on Athena, who's still a little girl. Who's still 11. We won't spoil why, but uh, yeah. Well, that's creepy watching a guy who's in his 50s with an 11-year-old. Now, I have to say, I was wondering if you'd bring this up because I thought the same thing. We do have these kind of oddball scenes where where present-day Frank and ageless Athena are thrown back together. And, and it's almost like they're a couple who broke up and they're still working all those wounds out. Yes. And that is a little odd, but I'm going to say the girl who plays Athena, Raffi Cassidy, she's a 12-year-old British actress, um, she is extraordinary, I thought, in that role. She ha- she's got this role that is asking her to be, because she's ageless, that's asking her to have this kind of serene, almost otherworldly kind of gravitas. And yet she has to have this little girl charm as well. And she has to be funny here and there too Mm -hmm. and moving. And I actually thought her quote-unquote romantic scenes with George Clooney were really good and didn't feel weird and didn't feel creepy because she's so good in the mm. role. And I, I, I felt I a little she, creeped out by You them. felt creeped out. That didn't, it didn't wash with you. It was a little creepy. Huh. It was a little creepy. And it, it, that wasn't the only problem with the movie. No, I indeed. just feel that they were jumping all over the place. And as much as you're saying this is what Interstellar wanted to be, I thought this was as much of a mess as same Interstellar. Same problems. Yeah, same. The it, same problems. It, it was so ambitious but it couldn't rein it in at the right moments. And some of the special effects are just like, they, they look kind of sloppy. The special effects do look a little sloppy, don't they? The, yeah. The, uh, so the, the, the more modern day special effects, the, the more CGI that's involved in this film, the worse it looks. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It, look, it looks better when they're trying to go back to the, to the, you know, the, the Electrolux appliances and the, and the space age furniture and that kind of stuff. Um, there's, a, there's a moment in the film where they revisit Tomorrowland and it's kind of, it's wasted, it's empty, it's desolate. And they're in front of this interesting looking building with, uh, these kind of odd uh, triangular pyramid style windows all along it that looks very futuristic. And that's that's an actual building. It's in Valencia, Spain. It's a Santiago Calatrava building. It's the city of arts and sciences. Mm. Um, and so they filmed part of Tomorrowland there. And I almost feel like Tomorrowland is almost inspired very largely by that complex in Spain because Calatrava likes that kind of space agey, neo-futurist kind of look. Um, that those little details I kind of thought were cool, but you're right. When it gets kind of Men in Blackish, oh. and you know lasers and Just robots, looks like sloppy. It looks it doesn't look that good. You're right, yeah. and I, I almost feel like this movie had the same problem as Interstellar in reverse. Interstellar got super caught up in the science and the theory and didn't give you enough character and heart or story or, heart. or story. <laughs> and this one gives you sort of too much heart and sort of mush. And almost not enough of the science and theory. The whole time I kept thinking, and where is Tomorrowland? <laughs> where, is, it in the, is it in space? Because at one point they say, there's Earth. And I kind of thought, oh, it's in space. Tomorrowland's out. It's a planet? It's a space station. Is it in our where... hearts? Exactly, right? But hold Is on. It... Didn't I get there by going on to It's a Small, it's a small world, world and then descending into the Earth at and one then, point? But then also taking us uh, an, an old 50s New York subway rocket ship <laughs> out of the Eiffel Tower. So, the, so there is a lot of stuff where you're kind of like, okay, oh When it got okay, to the guys. Eiffel Tower part, I was like, I just give up. <laughs> all, the, all the French people going, ah, sacre bleu. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Tomorrowland, I thought, was... 
not a very good date, but I, I feel like giving it a little bit of a pass because I like I like the optimism. I like I like the gung ho-ness of it. And uh, I like that good cheer that it's filled with and the can do spirit, even though I think that Britt Robertson, who plays the Casey character, is actually kind of awful in the film. <laughs> but I, I like the movie's spirit. So I would say Tomorrowland. Oh, it's like a barely passable date. Oh, I cannot give it a pass. Reefer. Oh, you I cannot can't. give Tomorrowland a pass. You're down on it's it. It's just a mess. It is such a high hot mess and I, I can't even explain what this movie's about I, I just I don't even I'm glad that you tried to explain it to our listeners but I have no idea of what to say about this other than cluster fudge I won't fight you on that okay. well stay with us because coming up in just a moment we're going to be talking about this week's sweatpants pick as well as a mystery date listener mail and as usual there's trivia Movie Date is supported by the Movie Music Stream at yourclassical.org, a new site for expertly curated streams, unique programs, and relevant features to promote calm and focus. Click to discover a soundtrack for every moment of your day, whether it's filled with adventure, romance, intrigue, or quiet contemplation. Find a steady stream for your epic scenes with movies at yourclassical.org. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. And you know what time it is, Rafer. Sweatpants? You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know, does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Yes, it's time for our stretchy pants, and the pants are especially stretchy today, aren't they, They Rafer? They sure better be. (laughs) Because we're going to be talking about a new series called scrotal recall you heard me right scrotal as in scrotum say it again Kristen. scrotal recall (laughs) (laughs) that's so punny (laughs) this is is an original channel 4 series from the uk but it's now exclusively available on netflix reefer tell us about scrotal recall well, uh, if I could just get past the title for a minute. Uh, but the easiest way to explain why this series is called Scrotal Recall is just to play the trailer. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Here's a clip. You've tested positive for chlamydia. That, that doesn't sound positive. You'll need to contact your previous sexual partners. All of them? No, just the ones you like. It's been 11 years since I lost my virginity, and what have I got? I'm calling them. I'm thinking of visiting some of them. What matters here, Dylan, is that you get back on the horse. What about her? She's cute. Yeah, not her. She's my best friend. I'm sorry about your girlfriend. She wasn't the one. Not everyone has to be the one, do Ah, uh, who yeah. hasn't been there for that test? And there that you test have to it. find out. <laughs> and, you, and you hope your test is going to be fine. And but, you hope it's all right. But... Yeah, but when it's not... You know, the responsible thing to do is go out and talk to people about it who you've been with. You've got to do the right thing. got to do the right thing. That's what this series is about. Johnny Flynn plays Dylan, our beleaguered anti-hero. Daniel Ings plays Luke, his lady killer roommate. Antonia Thomas is Evie, who his... Uh, best Dylan's, friend. Dylan's best friend, but, you know, possibly they may have other feelings. Uh, there's also uh, Joshua McGuire plays uh, one of their friends, Angus, who you may remember from About Time, your mm-hmm. famous movie. Uh, that your movie. favorite movie, Kristen. Um so let's just talk first about whether or not the title of this series matches the content. Well, 
I what think do you your think? answer is no based on how you asked that question. I think no. I think they were just trying to come up with a funny pun. And you know what the show reminds me of more than anything is um, My Name is Earl. The Jason Lee series. Yes, where he, uh, because of bad karma, wins and then loses his lottery ticket and he has to go back and fix his karma and apologize to everyone right. he's been horrible to in life. And the list is extremely long. Right. On Scroll right. Recall, his list is only about 15 or 20 people, I think. Something, something like that. Yeah. I'm thinking I- he'd done quite well for himself, given his age. <laughs> well, I... I don't know what to say about that. What, what I was gonna, what I was gonna say is, I like that it's not about slut shaming, though. No, that's true. No, it's and, not at all. And I, th- and I think it's, it's like it's like you guys are in your late twenties. You've all had a few partners. You are you're not treating sex as a horrible, dirty thing. You're having fun with it. One of you is kind of too much of a player and kind of right. icky, but for the most part, it's not about slut shaming. It's just about like how do people have relationships and when are they hooking up with somebody in a way that they feel good about? When do they not feel good about it? Uh, When is love involved? When is it not? And uh, I I think it's just a great examination of how people interact with each other socially and sexually. And I think that's what's great about it. But as far as the title, you're right. Scroll to recall. (laughs) The the guy who uh, created this, a, a guy named Tom Edge, um, has basically said, yeah, it's a terrible title. Um, but, but apparently it was just, it was a working title they came up with and it stuck. And now, and now they've got it. Um, kind of like chlamydia. And, uh, and, that's, and that's fine. I do, I do wish there had been something a little better, a little classier, a little more interesting. Um, but, you know, I'm sure it will work in terms of getting people to remember it mm-hmm. and to perhaps check it out. And I actually do really think it's worth seeing. I think um, it really captures... That time in your 20s when everything's up in the air, you never know. Your your whole life is just filled with the paths not taken, and and each of those each of these girls that Dylan goes back and visits represents one of those paths, right? What what if what if what if? Um, and that's all really fun to see, and it's nice also to have this uh, this through line of Evie, the his car- best friend, his best friend, you know, who maybe he's got some more feelings for. Um, and she's delightful. And she's, she's I really yeah. love her. Antonia Thomas is just delightful. She's yeah. quite good. I think the series is really interesting um, in terms of being as best as we can be post-racial. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ne- there's really very little ever ever nodded to the fact that he's dating uh, women of all, of all races and and all ages. Actually, yeah. um, I think and that's people really you cool. wouldn't even expect he's flirting with, like let's say a pastor. Like, right, right, the vicar. <laughs> I love when I love when the vicar cracks a, a naughty joke, and Luke is, and Luke Luke the lady killer is all impressed. Vicar, he's <laughs> very happy about that. Um, you know, I, I will say a couple of things. I think the Brits uh, do do two things better than anyone else: misery and charm. <laughs> I think I think I think when they, when they do misery, they do it like nobody else, and they're also as charming as hell. And I think this uh, this series captures both those things. So. I'm glad that we both really like Scrotal Recall, except for the name. Except for the title, which I feel like is what pretty much everyone is going to say about about this series. But uh, I would highly recommend it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Well, Kristen, let's spin that wheel. Oh, it's that time. Hi. Oh, hi. Have we met before? Not that I remember. And I'd remember. I know so very little about you. I know very little about you. I find you very attractive. Do you find me attractive? It's time for this week's Mystery Date, where we take a look at what's being suggested to us in our Netflix, Amazon, or Hulu feed. 
one of those random things that we don't really even know what to do with. And, and just watch that movie. Play that movie roulette, if you will. So what are we taking a gamble on this week, Kristen? <laughs> Something called The Loft, which okay. has been pushed heavily on me for some reason on Netflix. <laughs> I don't know why, Rafer. Interesting. Yes, but... The premise of this movie is five dudes who are best friends, probably in their late 30s, early 40s, all of them married, all of them upper class, all of them white. They're all like wheelers, dealers, architects, you know, investment firm guys. They decide, let's all just share this loft together where we can bring ladies, where we can play. Boys will be boys, what have you. And none of us will tell anybody else about it. Just the five of us know about it. We all have a secret key that turns off the security system when we come in. Nobody else can know about this. But then one day they come into the loft and there's a girl who's dead and handcuffed to the bed. Just blood everywhere. It's just a bloodbath. That's horrible. And the five guys have to get together and figure out who did this. How did this dead girl end up in our loft? Here's a clip. What are you doing? need to get her out of here. How? She is shackled to the bed. Can't you guys see what's going on? Someone is trying to frame us. Who? Who wants to frame us? I don't know. Think about it. The body's cuffed to the bed. It's impossible to move. The Latin, the knife. Someone did this for a reason. Hell, the cops could be here any second. None of us know who this girl is. We don't even know how she got in here. Who else knew about the arrangement? Who else knows about our arrangement? Did anyone blab? Someone is trying to set us up. So, Rafer, this is a movie that was out, I believe, in January of this year. So about five months ago, this was in the theaters. For yeah. like 15 minutes, it was in the movie theaters. It was. It's a remake of a, a Scandinavian film, and um, it had been uh, pushed back uh, at least once, if not multiple times, and then uh, finally just got dumped in January, uh, which is essentially like, you know, leaving something on your stoop for someone else to pick up and <laughs> carry away. Um, they had no critic screenings of this, uh, as I recall at the time. Uh, I, I what, what intrigued me about this movie was the fantastic premise. Who doesn't love that premise? I love that Five premise. Five guys locked in a room with a dead girl, and clearly one of them did it. Who is it? It's 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 got Hitchcock written all over it. you got a pretty good cast. Uh, James, yeah, James Marsden. Marsden. Yeah, Matthias, Carl Urban. Yes, Carl Urban. Matthias Schoenartz. Um, some, some good actors here. Um, nice, glossy fashion magazine cinematography. It's very it's slick. It's like GQ as a movie. Yeah, very modern looking. So a lot of promise there. But Kristen, how'd you like The Loft? I thought it was great. What are you talking about? <laughs> what fun. What silly, silly fun. I think you kind of have to treat it almost like a telenovela. There's close-ups of people's faces going, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> what? Are you looking at me? I'm looking at the girl. The girl's looking at me, but she's dead. Like, there's a lot of things like, boom, boom, boom. I I, you've lost your mind. Fun. Just good, silly fun. This a good movie popcorn was so flick. bad. Pour yourself a bourbon. And, uh, and you know what? Don't even mix the bourbon. Just take it straight up. Oh, Just you watch could, this movie If you drank half the bottle and passed out, it might be a decent <laughs> film. You might have some fuzzy memory of something interesting happening. But I got it that this film was terrible. You cannot treat this movie seriously, Rafer, if you just have fun with it. This is not Hitchcock. But it's not even, it's not fun. It's got no sense of humor. It's got no life to it. It just, it feels, it feels dead No and, sense and of humor. Airless. It's got like the two blondes. Which that's blonde not... is the good blonde or the bad blonde? Oh, that's not funny. That's lame. It's got the it's it's got the guy Eric Stone Street from Modern Family, who's normally yeah. the gay football player. In this movie, he's like, I don't know. He, he's kind of like just a bull in a china shop. Yeah, I it, it, I, I think the problem with this movie is you can tell that the screenwriters had this great 
op- this great opening grabber, right? The, the, the dead girl, the five guys, loft. And what they're basically trying to do is work their way backwards to try to figure out how to get that oh, yeah. to happen. There's a flashback within a flashback. Within a, within oh, a flashback. God, within a flashback. People are always doing flashback. insane things. Like you know, they, they, People behave completely illogically and irrationally. They don't do anything that makes any sense. The, the plot is just completely convoluted and nonsensical. I, I, and and it's, got, it's got no... Um, it just it has it's got no energy it's got no it's got no life what about or that fun guy who's in always it. coked up yeah he's no, always got yeah, energy that's, yeah that's what Tyler Schoenarts yeah he's yeah he's all right he's always got energy I suppose um, and also I just have to say all five guys are just the scum of the earth there's just nobody in this film that has a even sh- a little just, bit likable just a shred of decency they I, at, by the end I just thought God you all deserve to die. <laughs> Every last one of you creepazoids just deserves to die. Yes. And I hope it is your wives that did this whole thing, right? There's this there. Like, maybe it was the wives that came after us. I, you know, God, I, I hope your wives come in and stab you all in the neck. <laughs> I, I thought that movie was horrible. This was the worst mystery date ever. <laughs> of all the two mystery dates we've done. I I think this was a pretty fun mystery date. You just have to go in with the right attitude. Oh, wow. All right. Just at least the right attitude. The loft. Okay. So at least one of us went home happy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. We have a lot of listener mail that's been piling up. Rafer, shall we read a couple of the letters that we've gotten recently? Yeah, let's do it. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Kristen and I reviewed uh, a little comedy called The D Train uh, that proved to be kind of unexpected. It's uh, Jack Black and James Marsden, yet again. Um, Jack, Black, Jack Black plays the chairman of a reunion, high school reunion committee, who wants to get the popular guy, uh, James Marsden, to come to the reunion, and that way everybody else will come too, which sounds like a fairly normal, you know, going back to high school, revisiting your youth kind of comedy, but it turns out that um, Jack Black and James Marsden's characters sleep together in Los Angeles on a, on a drunken night, and... Uh, Kristen and I thought that was kind of unusual, and Kristen did not like the film. I thought the film tried to do <laughs> tried to do at least a little something. Um, and after our review, we got this little bit of listener mail from Dean Hugh in Forest Hills, who actually went and saw it. Here's what he says: So I watched the D train yesterday. I was almost alone in the theater, but we ended up numbering seven. I agree with all the cons Kristen pointed out. Almost all the jokes don't land, especially not the title. The plot is thin, and in the case of Deceiving His Boss, which is a subplot in the film, just plain bad. However, this movie might be the first movie I've ever seen that's imagined a world that is post-slut-shaming and post-homophobia. It's radically and universally accepting of sexual fluidity, even within people who are otherwise well within the straight end of the Kinsey scale. The writers, directors have said they weren't smart enough to write commentary about sexuality, but the setting they've created speaks well for itself on the topic. The movie is still not great overall, but I think that its optimistic setting and Jack Black's nuanced performance make it an enjoyable viewing. Well, Dean, thanks for writing in. I have to agree. Not a good movie, but I think it was worth, I think I think it was trying to do something, and I think that made it at least a little bit worthwhile. Kristen, you still say? I, I just thought it was too much of a mess. I wanted it to be better. I, I wanted it to be better, and I wanted it to decide on what it was trying to be, and it seemed as though it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. But, Dean, we're so glad you wrote into us. He wrote to us at facebook.com slash podcast, And that's also where we got a letter from Krista Duncan Arfa, who lives in La Jolla, California. She wrote to us about our review of Inside Amy Schumer Season 2, which we were 
uh, discussing and primarily for its content about women, about feminist issues and so on. And Rafer, you said something in that review that remind us of what you said. Well, I just said that I wish that Amy Schumer would uh, broaden out the, her topics a little bit. I, I do feel like she's somewhat in danger of striking the same note on feminist issues over and over and over. And I feel like I'd like to see her uh, widen out her targets and, and attack some attack some other some other uh, sacred cows out there. Because it, it is true that over half of her skits probably include something about feminism. Yes. She, she talks a little bit about white privilege. She talks a little bit about, yes. you know, it, yes. there, there are different things she talks about. Um, but uh, this is what Krista writes us. She says, Rafer, said in my best Kristen impression, I disagree with your sweatpants comment. Who else should I listen to talk about being a woman? It's funny. Leave Amy Schumer alone. Although I don't think you really picked on her. <laughs> that, listen, I, that that's the great thing about Amy Schumer. Who else is doing it? Yeah. It's a completely valid point. I mean, I think that there are a few other comedians out there who try to do it here and there. But Amy Schumer's just really going in there and, you know, digging in and going into those ugly places and making fun of them. There are some great skits out there that she's doing. Totally, and, totally. And so um, I would also say we've gotten many other letters about Amy Schumer and your particular thoughts on Amy Schumer <laughs> Rafer. And, and of our many calls and uh, letters that we've received, several people have pointed out, you know, over half the population is female Rafer. I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I stand by my comments. But I, but Krista, thanks for writing in. And you got Kristen to do your Kristen impression. See, <laughs> there you go. All right, Rafer. Well, unfortunately, it's time for us to wrap up this movie date. So let's, before we go, as usual, go over our trivia questions and answers. So last week we were talking about Mad Max Fury Road, uh, one of those post-apocalypse movies, which, by the way, as you pointed out, Kristen, has been uh, pitch-slapped by Pitch Perfect 2 yes, at the box office. Yes, you know, Pitch Perfect brought in almost twice as much money during opening weekend. Fascinating. Fascinating yes. that. Well, at any rate... Because we were talking about Mad Max and the apocalypse in the future, we decided to play you another post-apocalypse film. We played you this clip. 1988. The crime rate in the United States rises 400%. 1991. The United States police force is formed. 1997. New York City is a walled maximum security prison. We got tons of right answers, but as usual, we could only pick one. Hi, Rafer and Kristen. This is Dan Martinez, and I'm submitting my answer as an MP3, because while I know that Rafer likes to hear contestants' voices, the scratchiness of normal voicemail always makes me cringe. It sounds like an artifact of the 20th century. Speaking of the 20th century, it was sometime in the early 80s, and I was in elementary school, when a friend invited me to his Friday night sleepover birthday party. There, we watched not one, but two movies we were probably way too young for. Ridley Scott's original Alien, and the answer to last week's question, John Carpenter's Escape from New York, with Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken. Oh, and thanks for playing the title theme as part of the question. More than 30 years later, it's still one of my favorites. High-tech Dan! He got it right. It's Escape from New York, of course, the John Carpenter classic. Kristen, what is this week's trivia? All right, well, this week, in honor of Tomorrowland... We're going to be playing a clip of a movie that's based on another Disney theme park attraction. My favorite one, too. There by the are way. so many Disney theme park attractions. Tomorrowland is one area of the Disney theme park world. But here is a clip of another movie from a few years back. This house has a bit of history to it. 
And this history haunts these walls. I don't think it's a good idea to put that information in the listing. People love bathrooms. We should play up the whole toilet angle. I think that'd be best. Ooh. If you know what that movie is that's based on another Disney theme park attraction, then you should call us at 5717movies. Or write to us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. Podcast.